Alrighty, we're live. Awesome, man. All right, the Flex Coach, thanks for coming on out. I definitely thank you for taking the time out to come on to the show and appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, man. And I love the setup. Thank you, thank you. Definitely appreciate Good it. Time. Yeah, and so yeah, I just, I'm, I'm liking that people are liking the setup because uh, I really didn't put too much thought into it, but I did think about like how to set it up, but I'm glad it came into fruition easily. Yeah. No, it shows a lack, uh, or it shows a, um, it shows that you made effort. You know, it shows that you care about what you're doing and um, that you really take all aspects of this seriously. Okay, thank you. Well, thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> Just from my perspective, because I've had this um, conversation before. I've talked about this before, where um, sometimes people can lost, get lost in the production side of things, as opposed to focusing on the content and maybe getting better. But, um, you know, I think this is also important. Yes, it's you gotta, important. gotta find balance in everything that you're doing and try to, I guess if you can make it as good as possible in every aspect of the things that you can do, it'll all be good in the end. And speaking Absolutely. of which, it does seem like you're super young, but you have such a wide um, knowledge of business and like how to read and how to be or how to look at people and identify them. So how would you say that you got this experience or knowledge? I think it's just experience um, through life. And when you're introverted, you're forced to spend a lot of time by yourself. You're forced to spend a lot of time kind of observing as opposed to being a participant or performing, let's say, right? So when you're observing, you just pick up on things and you start to analyze and break them down. And I think a lot of it comes naturally as well. Just always been fascinated with human behavior, um, life in general, you know, why we're here, why we behave a certain way. And it's just, I mean, it's super interesting to me. So I spend a lot of time consuming content in that regard and then, um, you know, applying what I learned. So would you say your favorite type of content is like business psychology or psychology in general or human interactions or? I think all of those, to be honest. There's not one specific thing I gravitate towards the most, but all of them have recurring elements. So that, it would probably you know, be... If you wanted to define it, it would probably be like just the general field of psychology and the way of thinking. Mm, you could say it like that, but I don't consider it to necessarily be psychology textbook definition. Just observation. And then, you know, I guess um, psychology goes a little too into generalizations in a way. And I kind of keep it real life experience based primarily. And so for your real life experience, what are some things that have given you a lot of experience in order to be able to pick up on these observations? Um, so I moved here when I was 12, came from India. Mm -hmm. And when I came here, I didn't really have many friends. And you know, being shy, introverted, I was kind of just always paying attention to people. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to do what they were doing. And I always caught myself being an observer like I said, as opposed to being a participant. And so when you're an observer, you pick up on things that the participants aren't really actively aware of when they're telegraphing those things. And so when you pick up on them, pick up on them and you slowly become a participant, you then know how to maneuver strategically so you don't make the same mistakes you've observed and you know how to act, you know, not in some whatever manipulative way, but you know how to maneuver through human interactions. Yes, so you're saying that uh, you could see like, like, like let's say if somebody made a social mistake and they were mar marginalized or like ostracized or something like that, then you would know not to make that mistake and therefore you could alleviate that path and just take a different route which would not leave you in the same shoes as them. Yeah, now I want to contextualize this a little bit more. It's, um, or sorry, I want to clarify this a bit more. It's not from a judgmental sort of standpoint where you're kind of just watching people and like, oh, fuck this, <laughs> fuck that. Like, you're just figuring out who you are, how you want to be, and how, you know, people that find success, what they do, how they communicate, how, you know, all the elements that constitute of their efficiency. So you're just observant of that as opposed to just acting out a certain way and. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's also natural, right? So I'm not really doing anything like on purpose. This is just who I am. But it's hard to kind of explain that in an um, unnatural way, let's say. <laughs> but um, 
I guess one of the best ways to explain it is, have you seen Naruto? I haven't. Okay, no worries. There's this one teacher, he, uh, they call him the copycat ninja, and I guess one of the best reasons why they call him that is because he's able to see something, and then he's able to take it and reproduce the same exact uh, like hand signs in order to recreate that jutsu or skill or whatever. And so they call him that because he's seen so many jutsus that he's so versatile because he's learned from everybody else on how exactly he could use it to his advantage in style. So I guess right. you could be a copycat ninja. In a, in a way, in a way, but be a copycat while also filtering what you learn through your own lens, you know, kind of just not just taking things and acting the same way. Analyzing why certain people behave a certain way and why they're allowed to behave a certain way. You know, why they can get away with acting a certain way. Think about all the things they've done, not just the cool parts. Because we want to listen to people or we have this tendency to listen to rap music and watch interviews of these artists and then start acting like them. You don't realize they had to put in, put in all that work. They really had to like get it, you know? You don't know their life story, you don't know the experiences that they went through, but you want the end result. You want to behave like they behave based on the end result that they've gotten without doing the work. So that's a big thing to avoid is maybe not necessarily talk like a business person or you know, take all these elements that people have had to work for. Actually work on these things. Actually put in the work. And then when you feel like you're deserving, then you can incorporate some of the elements that you like. Yes, definitely, definitely. So yeah, one of the things I also saw on your social media is that you wanted to give your experience that you learned and teach it to other people. And I guess that's how the Flex Coach came into being. But can you actually tell me what the Flex Coach means? Yeah, of course. So um, I was just observing the different ways people flex and I would have conversations with my friends about you know, why as human beings we feel the need to flex and always be so mindful of the hierarchies that we exist in and try to climb the hierarchy based on what kind of watch you have on or car you drive and all that shit. And, you know, I've been a participant in that as well through, for a lot of my life when I didn't really know who I was internally. I didn't see the value in my existence, existence or my being. I saw value, uh, I saw my value in what kind of car I had or, you know, all the materialistic things I have or you know, how many girls I can get, or that's all the things you worry about or focus on when you're in high school and you're kind of trying to figure these things out. And so just in retrospect, watching my behavior and then translating it to the present where I just wasn't a fan of how I behaved and how I see a lot of people still behaving. So that was kind of what it was. I was just talking to my friends and explaining to them, you know, I think we should flex our intentions. I think we should flex you know, what we're here to do, what we want to do for the world, what we want to do for other people. And one of my friends just said, yo, you're like the flex coach. So kind of just ran with it after that. You know? Nice. <laughs> yeah, I found in my experience that sometimes other people can define you a little bit better than, even if you know yourself, other people can define you pretty well. And you might just take that and use that as something that you can use for yourself too. Yeah, and it could be a push as well, right? Because in that period of my life, I was frustrated knowing that I have potential to do something, put stuff out, but not having, just not doing it. You know, there was a two-year phase in my life where I would sit inside and play video games and my sense of accomplishment came from how well I was doing in video games as opposed to how well I was doing in reality. And that was, um, that was a good point in my life, you know, just I was isolating myself. Well, good point when I started the podcast, but before that, I was isolating myself and deeply unhappy. Could have gone down a spiral, which you know would have taken me years to recover from. The depths, whatever you want to call them. Um, and that was a good moment to start something like this, to go out and realize, yo, I can really do this. And this is what I sound like. This is, you know, my personality. I feel all these things about myself, insecurities, whatever. But I can still put content out and people like it. So it gives you that confidence. It gives you that boost. And it makes you realize that, yo, anyone can literally do anything. You just have to start. You just have to start doing it. Definitely, definitely. Especially during this time with social media and everything, it's never been easier to connect and be what you want to be. So, yeah, you can't let your dreams be memes. <laughs> no, facts. And so you said that you 
we're getting very frustrated during that time period. And earlier before that, you said that you were having trouble with like acknowledging your existence because you didn't feel as if you were putting out or being what exactly you could be. So how did you know, or how did you come to realize that? And how exactly did you use that to become the Fletch Coat and to start your podcast? I think I realized it since I was 13, I've known this, because at 13, I had a YouTube channel. So when I moved here, like I said, I didn't really have friends. So my initial outlet was gaming, and I got really good at gaming. I got really good at figuring out YouTube, um, figuring out how to get subscribers, put content out, record my videos, you know. Same thing, like a parallel exists um, in the past, similar to what you've done with your production setup here. I was just trying to figure out how I can capture my game uh, or my gaming content at the highest quality possible, how I can put it out, how I can make YouTube banners and all this stuff. And I did a lot of things. I got like 25,000 subscribers, uh, YouTube partnership, where back in the day you needed a thousand views a day to qualify. Oh, dang. And um, if you had a partnership, you could get a banner above your channel. So it was uh, the old layout for people that remember those. You had a simple page. But if you were a partner, you could get a banner and then you could run ads and all these things, right? So figured out how to do that. I got that at 14 and that was, you know, getting checks from Google felt great. Not having <laughs> friends. You're like, oh, I could really do something and it makes me feel good and I'm making money. Um, long story short, I trusted people online. Didn't really have real life friends. Obviously, I was spending the majority of my time playing games now. So trusted someone online um, and lost my channel they didn't even keep it they just deleted it really yeah and i remember the exact moment that happened i was so young to even i don't know what it was i mean if i have to think about it i was probably fearful to even appeal that or to write to youtube or whatever and then figure out how i can get it back i just kind of assumed that's how things are going to be it's gone forever all the effort all the time i put in and um and then i've had many instances of doing things outside of the norm so while i'm in school i build companies and i do all these different things that's always taught me that you know i have the capability i see things a little differently and i can really make my thoughts a reality but that two-year phase was a byproduct of me getting lost in or me being magnetized by the pull of a hedonistic lifestyle of partying and having fun and caring about girls and all this stuff and that caused that deep depression and frustration because you value one thing, you value one hierarchy, and now you're outside of that hierarchy. So the thing that you previously valued is no longer on your mind. It no longer gives you the same feelings of feeling validated, confident, right? So that two-year phase of being down was kind of just a phase of rewiring how I think, what I value, and that's how I've kind of known that, you know, I need to be doing something. Like, I have the skill, I have the talent. Why am I sitting here playing video games? Or why am I wasting time? So you said when you started to value another hierarchy, what was that hierarchy and what was the, what was the hierarchy before you fell into the bad hierarchy that you were valuing? I mean, the bad hierarchy is just simple, right? It's partying, caring about your social status, going out. I was in a fraternity my freshman year of uh, college. So that, primary, that places you in the middle of that hierarchy. And then you're just consumed by it. Everyone around you values the same things. And so you're, you lose who you really are. And the things that you truly value are not valued by those people. They seem less valuable. And then you lose them. You abandon them. You stop thinking about them. And being in the good hierarchy is essentially knowing yourself, being yourself. I know these things sound corny, but just kind of figuring out, you know, who you really are without lying to yourself, minus the ego, minus who you think you are, minus who your immediate circle reflects upon you, who you are, like who you actually are, good, bad, whatever. And once you go through that, you realize a lot of things, and then you realize what you value. And then you can move on from there what in the renewed version of yourself exactly you your values change they become true in my opinion they become true to who you 
really have been deep down. Yeah, because what I'm, what I've been researching really, uh, is that <clears throat> we're all interfer interfacing with this world with our own unique gifts, and it would seem that as from kids, you probably have already had that gift, but as time goes on, then your gift does turn to, you kind of get distracted from your your inner self. So it's really as in adulthood, you have to find that balance in between being your child self along with uh, being your mature version of that child self in order to, I guess, live life authentically and be your true self. No, for sure. You have to have your childlike spirit because it comes without bias. It's pure. It doesn't have, you know, it's not clouded by judgment. And so when you retain some part of it while knowing how to operate in the current you know, nature of our existence in this culture, with the climate, with the things people value, it becomes, you, you become dangerous, you become powerful because you can tap into all these different things and you're not a slave to one way of thinking and one environment and one thought process, one value system. And I kind of want to go back to uh, your YouTube channel. So what were you playing? Uh, I was playing Call of Duty. Call of Duty? So Modern Warfare, um, trick <laughs> shots. I had a clan too, so I had a bunch of members. And, um, you know, I was in contact with FaZe. Like, I was really in there. 2011 and if I would have continued you know who knows what what would have happened I mean it could have been really big and it would have been really big but I also not to go on a tangent but I also recognize that if I would have made all that money and been in that situation I hadn't figured myself out yet it would have been disastrous it would have been bad so I'm happy the you know things played out the way they did yeah like you said earlier you would have uh, gone into a spiral so I think making all that money and making all that fame would have made that spiral probably much more destructive and worse. 100%, 100%. So do you think you would ever get back into YouTube in terms of gaming to that extent? Like let's say if you still had the same exact skill and you could just bolster it, do you think you would do it now that you know who you are? If opportunity, if the opportunity was the same. So I saw opportunity in that space. This is like early esports, right? Now it's saturated, now everyone wants to be a Twitch streamer, play video games, so I wouldn't do it now. Um, but let's say the opportunity was the same, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm deeply passionate about putting stuff out and I really love video games. I don't play them anymore, but I really love video games and I would have loved to have made that a career if possible, but the opportunity just isn't there for someone like me at the moment. I feel it, I feel it. You're on to better and better, bigger and better things. Yeah, my, my, the things that I like are more, um, how do I say this? They're, I mean, they're just different. They're because of who I've become, all the things I've learned, all the things I've been exposed to. Now I want to do bigger things. I want to, you know, make a bigger impact, let's say. Yeah, it seems like you've gone into more of an educational rather than an entertainment field. And so you're still putting out content and you're still making people happy, but I would say it's more educa uh, educational, so it'll teach them in order to grow uh, themselves and to be the versions of themselves. 100%. I can't do entertainment. <laughs> I can't fake the energy. I can't fake the, the content, the vibes. You know, I can't do any of that. Um, this is just who I am. This is what I sound like. And I can't do the, yo, what's up, guys, all that bullshit. <laughs> like, I can't do it, but I recognize that's what connects. Like, you know, everyone, ha everyone can kind of occupy their own lane and have some real estate on the Internet. But the majority demographic gravitates towards a certain kind of content because of certain things. And I just have self-awareness to where I know I can't be that person. I can't fake that person. So that's why I've chosen what I've chosen. And so one thing I want to mention about that is that you have a pretty unique and deep voice and it seems like it's super easy to actually have that voice for you. So is that why you ended up getting into like the audio version first? Not necessarily because of my voice or being aware of my voice, but because I didn't want to be in front of a camera. I, I didn't even want my voice on the internet. You know, like these are all the things I dealt with and battled and it's ironic because I did it at 13, I did it at 14, but something happened along, you know, through my life. At 21, 22, I was 
extremely self-conscious and I didn't want my face, my voice, anything on the internet. And then, um, and then I just started doing it. I just started doing it. I said, fuck it. I don't care what it seems like. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I sound like. Just so happens that people like how I sound, but I just did it because it was uncomfortable. That's literally why I did it. So I cannot be deterred by that for the rest of my life. Yeah, man, that's a good way to go about it. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, just look at, take a look at yourself now. You've been able to uh, essentially get rid of that external view that people put onto other people. And really, as long as you care about yourself, you don't really even need that external view, even if it's good or bad. Yeah. So uh, one thing I do want to say is that I recently saw that you're jumping onto YouTube now. So what made you go into the change? Because I remember you said that it's been about like 300 episodes or so. So what made you end up getting onto YouTube now? Um, just that's what people wanted. You know, I ran a poll on my personal Instagram and 70, 75% of the people said they want videos. So I have to put videos <laughs> out now. Even if, I, I mean, you can kind of read between the lines because it's still uncomfortable for me to be on camera, to put my face on the internet. And I recognize here's another opportunity for me. Here's another thing for me to overcome. Let's start making videos. Let's start putting this stuff out for the people. That's what they want. Um, my reasoning behind audio only, besides the self-conscious reasoning, was it's easier to consume audio. You can do something else while you're consuming audio. You can be on the go while you're consuming audio. Video requires full attention. And in this day and age where we want to do all these different things and you know we're all a little ADHD to some extent, uh, video is just not as captivating. But I realize it can be if you have a certain personality, if you do things a certain way. And so I'm in the process of learning how to present myself based on the frequency that other people resonate with while still retaining my authenticity and giving them what I think is of value. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because with video, it's, it's going to be... You just have to get used to it. Mm. But uh, I guess, good thing, you're still in the baby stages so you can grow and adjust yourself while you're running and then go from there. Yeah, no, for sure. And I just don't care like what anybody <laughs> thinks. I know the kind of life I've lived, I know the kind of experiences I've had, and I know the kind of things I've done, like even validation. I mean, we all value validation, but for me, I value it from certain kinds of people. And when I get it from those kinds of people, the people I look up to, the people I would have never thought would want to do an episode with me, talk to me, mentor me, help me. When they validate you, you don't care what your peers think if it's negative. You care what they think but you don't really, or you're not deterred by it. You don't put too much emphasis into it. Right, your internal narrative isn't like stirred up by what they think. So who, who are, well, or I want to ask, um, so how do you, or who are some of your guests and how do you get in contact with your guests? How do you get them onto your show, stuff like that? This is a big question I get asked by every person that makes content. Um, just reach out. <laughs> like... <laughs> Just reach out to them. And, yeah, it's 50-50. They're going to say yes, they're going to say no. I've had 90-something percent yeses and, like, a very small amount of no's. And those very small amount of no's have come from people that just don't have time. Like, they're, like, the people that everybody knows. And, you know, you would think they would be unapproachable, but their team actually responds if you have something going on and they recognize your value. They see that, yo, this is like real stuff. I would love to do it. I just can't do it right now. So it's kind of like that. That makes sense, yeah. But yeah, just reach out. Um, and this is what I was saying to you earlier. You'd be surprised how nice people are. People are nicer than you think. We look at people based on the masks that they wear. And we judge them on their appearances. And we categorize them in our brains. And, you know, based on that categorization, we assume certain characteristics that they may have. And it's like that primitive way of thinking of, oh, that's a predator. I don't want to go near it. I'm afraid of this. I don't want rejection. I don't want these things. But the way you break through that is by realizing we're all human beings. We all are on this planet trying to figure it out, trying to figure our lives out, trying to 
make something happen. And, you know, if you have something going on, chances are people will respect it, admire you for it, and they'll be more than happy to help you. Speaking of which, thanks for being on. Thanks yeah. for coming on, man. <laughs> Appreciate that, bro. Anytime. Yeah. And so do you have like a specific method or anything like that? Instagram DMs, emails or Twitter or? So initially when I started, it was Instagram DMs and email. Um, throughout the way, I've had an agency that manages that for me now. And they kind of just recommend guests. So I get emails every day. Potential guests, their bios, you know, PDF summary or maybe a copy of their book. And then I have to figure out who I want to have on. And I honestly, I say yes to everybody because I want to learn and talk to everybody. There's no like preconceived notion in my head or, you know, I don't want to talk to this person because they have a thousand followers or whatever. Like I'm just getting started. You know, I recognize from the outside based on the accolades and based on where it charts and the rankings and everything it can look very big and you can get lost in that. But I treat it like it's day one. I want to talk to everybody. So you're trying to get as many perspectives and views as possible or different views from yourself as possible on the show in order to get a wide range of uh, perspectives and just personalities. That and also I'm just working out. It's like repetition, just running the reps because I want to get really good at this. I want to get really good at being in front of the camera. I want to get really good at speaking and articulating myself well and it takes practice and so the more practice i can get you know the better it is for, for the audience and you said that you're an agency is now sending you your uh potential guest are you is that agency because i'm sure you have a lot of business uh business uh experience and skills because i did see that you had one business where it's kind of like a device in which you attach to your cell phone which is like your digital uh your digital card or business card mm -hmm. so do you have multiple businesses or how are you going about businesses um i'm really good at identifying opportunity and just aiming to work towards it just aiming to figure out the challenge and make something for other people that can help them and be of value to them in terms of business, I have the humility to also say that there's so much I have to learn. And as a one person you know, operation, when you're starting, it's really hard to do things at the highest level. So in terms of business, I mean, if you're really good at identifying opportunity, if you know how to figure things out and make things happen, that's business, that's entrepreneurship. That's all you really need. And then as you move forward, you assemble a team, you outsource things you're not good at, you figure out how you can make it more efficient, save costs, all those things come later. The starting point is just starting. That's what I do. I start, I try, I figure things out and I learn from them. And if I happen to make money in the process, that's cool. I'm not driven by monetary gain, but I just love the process. Like I'm, I, I enjoy doing the thing, you know? I just enjoy it. That's, that's what comes naturally to me. You're in it for the love of the game? Yeah, I mean, if you want to say it like that, I think a lot of people, a lot of people say it like that, but they're driven by certain things that they don't want to admit. I'm truly not driven by money that much, but I am driven by money to a certain extent. Everybody is like, yes, money will solve a lot of my problems, make life better for a lot of people. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to not admit that, but that's not the primary thing. I can make a lot of money and still be motivated. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> and let's see here. <clears throat> okay, so, because I figured that business was, would definitely be a um, saturated, like the digital business card would be a saturated business. So what made you, or how do you, how do you identify that there was an opportunity there and decide to take advantage of it? I think it's saturation is overblown because the ads are primarily, primarily targeted to our demographic, let's say 20 to 30. Mm -hmm. So it seems saturated, but when you talk to people over 30, in their 40s, in their 50s, they've never seen this, they've never heard of this. And just do simple math, how many people above 30 exist in the United States? Cool, that's your market. How many people have businesses? Switching away from the saturation is easy. 
Everything is saturated. Any idea you think of that's original has already been done. Nothing is original anymore. Saturation exists everywhere. It's just within that saturation, there's so much opportunity. And even 1%, 2% of the market is more money than you'll make at a job. So when you view things like that, your perspective is kind of kind of shifts, right? So I don't know what the I don't know what the question was exactly, but so yeah, like how do you identify that opportunity and how, what made you go for that specific one? Um just seeing something cool. You know, seeing something cool that's not really that popular yet. Seeing the use, the value case, all these things and then figuring out how to make it, figuring out how to make the same thing, figuring out what you want to change, figuring out how you could apply it to different markets, figuring out what else can you do with the product. That's what innovation is. That's what design thinking is. Take an existing product, you add to it, you figure out what you can do with it. You figure out how you can make it more efficient. And that's just the process. It's like, that's like fun for me. That's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, because so, I saw you're on like 2.0 already. Yeah. 2.0 and we have some things coming um, that are just I I mean shit I'll even talk about them I don't care <laughs> they're already happened so or they're already happening but the way we're gonna shift is it's gonna be more future oriented um, it's gonna have the values that come from somewhat of an ESG approach, which is environmental, social, governance, essentially being considerate of other human beings, being more empathetic, you know, making something for them selflessly, transparency, honesty, all of those values are going to be attached to this device, as opposed to just it being a device for social interactions or money transactions, you know, we're really going to take it a step further and make, make an effort to make the world a better place a device is there any way it, can you go a little bit more specific into that or is that still under wraps um i mean it's nothing you know it's nothing specific that i'm not willing to share that you know i don't want people to copy or whatever like the whole purpose or the whole point of this is for people to copy and copy the values not just copy the idea to make money copy the idea and the values that come with that idea so the values of being transparent I mean, transparency in the social space is something that's often discussed, you know, privacy, all these things. And when you operate in that territory with real human values of, hey, we actually care. We're not just going to say we care. We, we're not just going to act like we care. And, you know, for example, big corporations make posts on whatever it is, Black Lives Matter or Pride Month. They'll post about those things and the minute it ends, they're done. Or you'll hear about them donating money, but then you hear about how they treat their own employees that are black and brown, and you're, you, it's concerning. But when you put that on a transparent system where there's no room for manipulation, where everything you do, all your actions can be monitored by every single person on the planet, you're less likely to do something fucked up or shitty or, or manipulative or malicious. So that's what we're working towards. That's what we're trying to make happen through a small device. Nice. Well, I'm excited to see what's going to happen and what will come through of it because uh, it sounds like you're doing something similar to like Elon in terms of how he gives out all his patents or some of his patents to his electric vehicles or something similar to that. And so he's making money, making money off of Tesla vehicles, but it also gives rise to uh, his competitors in order to bring electric vehicles into fruition and into the hands of everybody. So it's good that you're doing that because it's a win-win scenario. And from what I've been seeing and hearing, it would seem that a lot of people are more focused on themselves rather than bringing up everybody with them too at the same time. Exactly. And also, this ESG approach is becoming more and more mainstream. Uh, a lot of investors are more, excuse me, are more mindful of investing in companies that do have these values that you know are for the future not for themselves companies that aren't destroying the planet their carbon footprint isn't astronomical so all of these things are becoming mainstream and it's good but there are two sides to that as well some people just want to invest in those companies because that's what that's what makes you look good 
right? And some people actually care about pushing that narrative forward. So when you actually care about pushing that narrative forward, you take your time with it and you realize, I mean, it's a $30 trillion industry that's barely getting started. So with anything like that, with any opportunity, you'll have people that are pure opportunists or you'll have people that actually care and know how to maneuver amongst the opportunists. And that's kind of where we're at. And so I do kind of want to speak on that too in relation to like cryptocurrency. So how do you feel about the cryptocurrency market and where a lot of people are making like scam cryptocurrencies and they're using that to pump and dump them and just make money off of people left and right? Yeah, no, it's, it's awful. And it's awful and someone needs to educate people, you know? You can't just... 90% of the time, you're going to lose money. Putting money in something that's trending on Twitter, that everyone's talking about, that seems to be popular. That's not how you do it. That's not how you invest. Um, and yeah, I mean, those people are just capitalizing, right? You can't blame them for identifying opportunity and capitalizing on human emotions, human behavior. That's just what it is. Now, when you put transparency in the mix that's when it becomes different. And again, that's what I'm working on with a company called Envision to do. They're all about you know, ESG initiatives. Their mission is to take waste, turn it into renewable energy on the blockchain. So you can see exactly where your waste went. 100% transparent. You can't change things on the blockchain. You know, you can't manipulate stuff. And so when you put it like that, and you work towards it. As more and more people start doing that, these pump and dump schemes are gonna become obsolete. So it's just a matter of time. And it is what it is. I mean, if you make money pumping and dumping, you're gonna lose it as, as quickly. You're not gonna be able to sustain it. You're not gonna be able to invest it in things because that's how you operate. That's what your value system is. You're not gonna know how to really give a fuck about people. You're not gonna have friends. You're not gonna have relationships. You have to be a sick person to do that and walk around and act like you're a nice person or you're a normal human being. No failure. Thank you for giving me some insight into that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And so let's see here. <clears throat> so I also see with the Flex Coach that you're trending in multiple countries and you're also the biggest podcast in Houston. So how does it feel to be like one of the biggest entrepreneurial podcasts? Um, feels good, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I don't really care about that. Like, I just, I just want to provide value. I just want to put stuff out for people. I want to put stuff out I wish I could have, you know, had access to. I want to put stuff out that really makes an impact. And when I, when I get DMs or when people call me and, you know, one person that I've become friends with now he was in rehab and he was listening to my podcast and he would post videos, DM me, talk about things I've said. And, and we got on the phone and he was just so appreciative. He's like, yo, this is really helping me. This is really helping me figure things out, figure my life out. That's invaluable. That's what I care about. I don't care about the charting and, you know, being the number one and all that stuff. Like I said, I'm barely getting started. I'm barely figuring this whole shit out. I've just been putting repetition, like I've been putting reps in training and now i'm actually gonna perform like present you see what i'm saying <laughs> yeah so that's never been my focus my focus has just been the process and helping people i don't care about likes i don't care about followers i don't care i know countless people that manipulate that shit on a daily basis because their validation and their ego and their sense of self is tied to that and i've worked very hard to detach from all of those things so any accolade is just a byproduct of me being on this journey. You put in your best effort first and the best value and the best content that you can provide to people. Yeah. Uh, I guess the accolades will just come through with it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty <laughs> much how it is. And so uh, you say that you know a lot of people who manipulate their social media numbers and everything like that. How is it easy for you to tell or can you tell like immediately off of a first glance? Um, through a little investigation, you can really tell about everybody. Uh, I have people 
that have like 250,000 followers, verified, you know, have books out, and I've had them on the show, and they get 36 likes in an hour. And so it's kind of confusing, um, but I don't really care. Like, that's the way they want to do what they're doing. That's the way they want to build their brand. That's their marketing strategy, you know? So to each their own. I don't really care. It's just I'm not driven by that. I don't care about doing that. I don't care about the validation from social media. Yeah, I think it beckons back to one of the things that you said earlier. You said that uh, you're mainly just focused on actually putting out the stuff and then you're looking to go through that journey rather than, let's say, not being in it for the love of the game. You're in it for a whole bunch of different things, but the main thing is bringing out the value to the people. 100%, and it's fun for me. It's really fun interacting with people getting to meet new people, learning. It's the best education I've had so far. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, everything that we learn in, on, in this world is basically from other people. And I guess from there, you're also able to bring out what you know specifically and what is your specific knowledge. And the more people you come across, the more you'll be able to find that knowledge. True. <laughs> um, so let's see here. So I also want to ask... Uh, have you ever worked a nine to five or have you always been like an entrepreneur? No, I've worked a nine to five. I've <clears throat> interned throughout my college career and I have a lot of respect for the corporate world. I see myself in the corporate world again um, after I finish what I'm doing now. And there's a lot of value in doing that. You get to learn at the expense of other people. And I know that sounds fucked up, but it's true. You get to learn at the expense of the company you get to really work on things that are specific. You're not, as an entrepreneur, you're working on a lot of things. You don't have order. You have to create your own order. When you're working for somebody, they put, they give you the order. They, or they create the order for you. And so operating within that breeds discipline. It allows you to focus on specific tasks at any given time. And it's challenging and it's fun. And you get to learn from people, interact with people. However, you should have a desire to do something of your own because everybody can. And you can do that while working a nine to five. I mean, you're doing it too, right? So it's possible to do it and there's a lot of value. You learn so much and then you bring that learning back to what you're doing. Don't start a business without having worked for one. That's like as simple as I can put it. So you can get both aspects, being a worker and also being the boss once you, uh, after you leave or while you're being a worker for somebody else. Because when you're a boss for your own company, when, you're on, when you are your own boss, you're also the hardest working employee. And if you don't know how to be an employee, you can't really be a boss. You, you have to know how to be an employee. So you have to know how to put in the work when it's required. When you're your own boss, when you set your own schedule, you become cool, you become fancy. You think <laughs> you're too cool. Like, I'm not gonna do this, I don't wanna do this. I'll outsource that, I'll automate this. Now put in the work if you really, like if you're really about it, put in the work. If you're not about it, you'll see that it's not gonna work. That's how it is, man. Like you just, you have to know how to work. And a lot of people learn that through working for someone else. And so one thing I also wanna ask is that you said that you were interning for people and then now you're doing your own thing, but you said that you could see yourself back in the corporate world. So I want to ask about your internship um, experience. What Can you speak on that or can you touch on yeah, that? Yeah, no, of course. Um, my first internship was when I was 18. I worked for a construction company and I was just learning how to read bids. So in a construction company, you bid on projects. And I was just kind of learning how to read bids, Excel sheets, you know, administrative work. Um, and yeah, and throughout my... Throughout my college career, I have interned at several different companies. I've worked for Genpact, which is a, uh, which is a subsidiary of GE. Worked for a startup here in Houston that provides value to underserved kids. So scholarships, teaching them how to apply, apply to college and how to be successful in college. So all of those experiences, working for another construction company, all of these experiences have been really valuable. Like I learned so much 
that I just bring back to what I want to build myself and yeah it's just been I mean it's been cool it's been cool I see myself doing that again I mean you know I want to work for Tesla I want to work for Tesla for a few years work for Amazon I study supply chain Amazon's the biggest supply chain company in the world on the planet so you know I would love to work for them and I can see myself working for them once I'm done with what I'm doing doing my master's so once I finish that I can see myself doing that for a few years while building what I'm building on the side and see how things go, you know, see where my heart is, see what I really want to do and just go all in on that. Um, still young, still have time to figure out what I want to go all in to, uh, into. So that's kind of where I'm at. I get you. I get you. Yeah. Uh, do you think it would be do you think it would be hard to get back into the corporate world after doing your own thing? Because you're going to have a boss, you're going to have to be scheduled up, and you're going to have to follow a bit more rules in order to complete your goals and everything? I don't think so. I think I'm really good at adapting to whatever environment I'm in. And I still operate my life on a schedule. Like, I don't just do what I want at all times. You know, I still have to study when I have to study. I still have to do episodes when I have to do episodes. Um, And I still have to do all these things. Like, I'm balancing a lot of things. So... It would actually make my life easier. (laughs) To let go of that responsibility of having to schedule and uh, put so much responsibility on yourself? Yeah, just always be, um, what do you call it, always hold yourself accountable. You know, I'll have someone else to hold me accountable. (laughs) And I could just kind of go in, do what I'm supposed to do, learn, and uh, come out and do my own thing. That makes sense, yeah. And (laughs) so I also want to touch on how exactly... Well, with the podcast, The Plus Coach, how are you getting or how were you able to get monetized? Or are you monetized or anything like that? What are your monetization methods? I've been very careful with how I monetize. I could have thrown a lot of ads a long time ago that I don't believe in just to make money. But I don't do it for money. I make money doing other things. So the podcast, I've partnered with companies that I really believe in, you know, whose values align with mine. Uh, better help is an example you know better help helps people they're there to help people yes i fuck with that i talk about mental health i have people on that have struggled with these things i've personally struggled with those things and so it made sense to have them as a partner audible is another one i'm a huge you know fan of listening and reading books uh two books and um yeah it just makes sense i have a lot of authors on so audible made sense Envision is another company I believe uh, in, and their values align with mine. So it's kind of carefully picking um, how I want to monetize it. But it is what it is. I don't really care about monetization. You know, monetize different ways. I get you, I get you. I mean, I guess that's a personal question for myself because I'm looking to get monetized. So I, I need to find a good method for myself to get monetized. Well, you have to identify why you want to get monetized. And why do you, why do you want to get monetized? Oh, uh, for me personally, because I'm looking to I guess because I could say that this is one of my passions. So I would like to, and since YouTube is a good lucrative field to jump into, I figured I might as well do my passion while also possibly entertaining or educating some people, mm-hmm. and then that'll allow me to complete one of my passions while YouTube is sustaining my lifestyle, so I can also escape the rat race. Or that's beautiful. Course. Yeah, and that's a. I mean, that's a good reasoning. It's a good reasoning. I think um, you don't want to get lost in that, though. You know, you keep doing this for as long as possible without worrying about money, because the money is just gonna come. It's just gonna come to you. All these things are gonna happen, and if you're driven by money. Or if that's on the forefront, every move you make, every decision you make is based on how I can optimize getting monetized. Then you're going to miss the point entirely. And people are going to see that. They're very, like, people are very, we are observing more human beings than we've ever observed. Any of our ancestors, any human in existence, we look and observe more humans on a daily basis than ever before. And we're getting really good at figuring out who's real and who's doing it for an ulterior motive. And you want to just be the person that keeps it real and does it for the right reasons, 
for providing value, for educating people. And then the money's just gonna come. That's literally how it works. But let me just say, and I know you agree with this or probably think the same way, you also have to be mindful of opportunity and know when to monetize, know when to capitalize on opportunity. So you can't just get lost in being this, you know, you can't just do charity forever. Like you have to realize, hey, if I can make money from this, I should, and I deserve to, because I'm the one putting in the work, I'm the one that took the risk, but that's not the primary thing that drives me. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is, if you can try to make money, not a thought on your mind, to outsource money so you can autom uh, automate it or not even have to worry about it, then that would be the best way. And if you can find your passion or something that can do it, do that for you, then that would be the best way to go about it. Oh, that's best case scenario. That is literally what, take 90% of human beings, they will want this. They want to make money doing what they love. But a lot of times they don't really love what they're doing or they don't really love what they think they love doing. And that just comes with self-awareness. You have to be extremely self-aware. I, I think I've said this before, minus the ego, minus who you think you are. You really want, want to do this? You really want to sit for however long it takes you to edit videos, the shit no one sees, the shit you don't get credit for, the shit you can't post online and get validated for. Are you willing to do all of that? You know, <laughs> really think about that. And then if you are, if you try it, I mean, anyone should try anything. But while you're trying it, just be aware of these things. Is this what you're gonna do for the rest of your life? If yes, then the money's gonna come and that's it. If no, then try something else until you figure out what you really want to do. Because work, like shit gets hard. Level one is always easy of anything you do. I pick up the guitar, it's going to be fun. But when I start learning, actually that's a bad analogy. Um, let's see. Because <laughs> it could be fun, but but you get my point, right? Mm -hmm. Level one is always hard. I or, sorry, level one is always easier than level three, level four, level, level five. Level 99 level 89 whatever when you get to that point that's when you're tested anyone can start a show but when you're having trouble figuring out how can i make money and schedule episodes and do this and edit and figure out the graphics and do all these things that's when you're tested that's when you'll know if you really want to do this and that's what a lot of people just avoid Eighty thousand podcasts die a month Eighty thousand podcasts die a month don't quote me something like that <laughs> Go to listennotes.com. Look at the analytics. Like 3 million podcasts exist now. One point something million started during the pandemic and a lot of them are dead because it got hard, because it got difficult. They wanted to do it. They would have convinced their friends and family. They would have shared this shit. They've been like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm inspired by this person. They can do it, I can do it. It gets hard, they fucking run. <laughs> and that's what happens with a lot of things. That's why there's a small amount of people that really make something in the world, that really make some shit happen because they're aware of that. And they talk to people that have gone through that. And that, I mean, I could go on and on. Like a lot of the guests I've had on, they've given me this game. They've told me these things. They say, you know, successful people aren't gonna do shit for you. They're not gonna just hold your hand and bring you up unless you're related to them and whatever fucked up situation you have going on, maybe they'll help you. That's what nepotism and what is it? Uh, cronyism or something like that. That's what that is. But successful people aren't going to do shit for you because they've actually had to work hard. They operate on a completely different frequency. They respect you for what you're doing. If they see that the elements are rooted in authenticity, but they have no time for bullshit and surface level and any of these things. And, striving to become something like that you just have to be immune to all this chatter all this bullshit all this surface level whatever all this noise and distractions yeah and once you reach that point it just becomes different you view things differently you can't be bullshitted i've i've had so many friends that constantly talk about businesses and opportunity and they start dressing a certain way, they start carrying notebooks with them or diaries and they write to-do lists and all this thing, all these things. And it's been two years, bro. Where is it at? Like, where's your thing at? You know, 
if you have time to go out every weekend, party, go on these trips, enjoy yourself, drink, all these things. But then in the presence of people that are actually making things happen, you also want the same respect. That's not going to happen. That's going to happen with people that are also faking like you. So when you, re when you realize that, it becomes kind of different. And I hope that doesn't come off negative or judgmental or anything. It's just, it's frustrating when people want the same respect without putting in the work. And then they treat you based on who they think they are. They treat you differently based on who they think they are. So when you say that, like they think that they're lofty or they think that they're better off and treat you in some way that puts them on a better pedestal? Is that what you've experienced? I've experienced that throughout my life, yeah, but everybody does. I don't know if you've heard uh, Kanye talk about leveling the conversation in some of his interviews. First of all, you should listen to a lot of his interviews because he's giving gems. He's a philosopher, a modern-day philosopher that really breaks down and tears through the fabric of our existence. But one of the things he said is a lot of people will try to level the conversation. And that's, I mean, pretty obvious when you think about it. When you say something that now creates a rift in the hierarchy. So you meet a friend and you talk about a cool experience you just had. The hierarchy just changed. Or you get a better job. Excuse me, let's use that example. You get a higher paying job. The hierarchy just changed. They perceive you as someone higher on the hierarchy now. So they're going to make an effort in their conversation because deep down they're frustrated recognizing that they're going to try to say things that try to level the conversation. They're going to say things about themselves or their experiences or they're going to talk about things that they know you lack or you haven't experienced so they could still maintain a level of respect in your eyes. And I don't like those kinds of conversations. <laughs> I don't like the surface level bullshit or, the, or, the, or those games and any of that shit. But that's what I observe. And to bring it back to what I was saying, when people come to you and they dress a certain way and they act a certain way and they keep talking about all the things they're going to do, but they don't do. If you care about them as a friend, you got to call them out and say, listen, if you really want to do these things, like here's how you can get started. Or you just don't be around them anymore. Be alone. Be lonely if you have to be lonely, you know? But just don't be around people that are lying and faking and lying to themselves and creating an image because that's going to that's gonna make you think that that's okay. You could be a person that has all these desires and potential and you never actualize them because you're caught up in that narrative of if I just act it, if I just fake it till I make it, I'll make it. No, you have to work. You have to yeah, put in the work. You, know? you, have to, you could pot potentially fake it till you make it, but you would have to put... You have to also put in the actual work to actually be able to say that you're faking it till you make it. So you can't just put on the image. And it's really weird because uh, I guess one of my first, I feel like I've had something similar to what you just explained recently. And it was really weird because I've never really experienced something like that. And the context in which I saw that happen is where it was two different friends and one of the friends was really in internal pain. And from my understanding, if they had been friends long enough, then the conversation should have been like a surface type level conversation where people were trying to level each other. And so it was really weird seeing that conversation play out in front of me because it was one of the first times that I ever, ha ever had something like that happen. And it just brought up a lot of internal strife. And now I pretty much don't want to deal with either one of them because it was just such a weird experience. So, yeah, yeah it's, really, it's really weird. You really just have to find like your most true authentic self and try to avoid that because it's gonna cause some internal strife and make you feel weird and cause just rifts all over the place. You have to have humility. That's what it is. People aren't humble. They don't wanna be humble. And our culture in the, in the modern day context promotes you know, being your own boss or for male and female, for all sides, for any side, for humans in general, let's just say like that. So it's inclusive. Um, but yeah, we promote these things, being an individual. Uh, some people promote these things. Let me see. Even through, you know, 
if you sit and think about what we're most influenced by, and then it's different for a lot of people, but there are overlaps. I'll say rap music, rap culture is an influence. And a lot of what they talk about is being your own boss, making money, cutting off the snakes, you know, or for girls too, the kind of things that they promote, you know, being your own boss, being the, all these things. What that does is it eliminates having humility. That's what it does. It minimizes how humble a person should be. And it accentuates or enhances the fake artificial level of confidence that everyone thinks they should carry. And I don't know. I think that's the primary cause of why everyone wants to be a certain kind of way without being humble, without realizing we're, human, we're all human beings. Like you're not tricking or fooling anybody by looking a certain way, you know? Spend more time on actual progress than the perception of progress. And then you'll make progress. And then you can actually look like the person you pretend to look like. But that's what you like. The version of that person that you want to look like, but the version that's true to yourself. True to yourself, or maybe not even true to yourself, but you actually did it. You're not just lying and pretending that you've done it. But it is what it is. I mean, I say these things from my perspective, from having done these things, from having been that person, from pretending to be a person that has more money how could I have more money at 18? Like, why are we even playing that game? Why are we even going to clubs and buying bottles and, you know, wearing all this shit, acting like it's ours, like it's not ours? You know, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, why do we even lie to ourselves like that? So having done that, I've realized I just don't care. I'll go into a room and people can have, you know, people have Rolexes on and whatever and, or pull up in nice cars. I'll pull up in my car. I don't care. I don't feel any less. I just strive to do more. But I, don't I mean, get you mad. do have get, a nice car, though. I mean, it, it's <laughs> a, I'm, I'm very grateful and appreciative of the car I have. Um, but you, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Just, when you're in different circles, you know, when people are pulling up in an S-Class or a Lamborghini and you're pulling up in that, you feel a certain way. But I don't let that feeling influence my own sense of self and my own self-worth. And I don't feel the need to somehow, some way replicate that, even if I can't truly replicate that. Rent a car so I look cooler than I am, so you respect me more. What is that going to do? That's not going to do anything. Especially once they find out, it's going to put you in a less... It's going to make them respect you a little bit less. Exactly. That's exactly right. When you chase respect without having put in work to earn respect you lose even more respect and just be yourself and you know people fuck with you they fuck with you if they don't then it's cool you know that's how it is (laughs) well thank you for the great knowledge the flex coach and one thing i do want to ask you when you're not uh coaching uh so what do you like to do for fun i know that you said that you used to be big into video games back in the past so now what are you doing in order to enjoy yourself and not be coaching all the time well, let me say, I'm not coaching or I'm not like trying to preach or give, give, give advice or anything like that. I'm just sharing my perspective. Sharing your observations. I'm just sharing what I see and what I think. And it's not advice. It's for you to filter through your own lens and do whatever you want with it. Not telling you what to do. Not going to... Because I have humility. I'm 24 years old. Like, I don't fucking know everything. I'm just trying to figure this out, you know? So, But when I'm not recording podcasts or whatever um i don't know just reading books hanging out with people i love um investing working out love boxing what else music stuff like that you know nothing crazy hopefully yeah (laughs) this is kind of my my hobby Mm -hmm. podcasting and all these things um I'm really into um, just business, like even supply chain. I'm I'm deeply passionate about supply chain. It makes everything run. Why we have groceries, why we have items delivered to us overnight, 
why you can get things from X, Y, and Z place and all this shit. So that's what I love to do. And then these are just the things that I also love to do that are kind of side projects. And I think that might be close to it. Do you have any questions that you want to ask me or anything like that? Um, no questions. I just want to say thank you again. And um, again, this is a beautiful setup. Um, I can't wait to see where this goes for you. And I wish you all the best, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. And um, any shout outs or anything for the camera? Any last words for the camera? Sure. Um, if you guys are interested in my podcast, it's called The Flex Coach, No Spaces. Available on all podcast streaming platforms. And that's about it. If you want to find me on social media, it's the same thing. Um, you know, if you have any questions, if you want to talk, whatever it is, I'm here to be of value to you. Feel free to reach out. Um, I'm not cool to not respond and any of that shit. Just anything. If however I can help, I'm just here. So yeah, and he's also hopping onto YouTube uh, as of late. So he's getting a lot of his content from just audio format to video format too. So if you guys can go over there, subscribe and all that good stuff, I'm sure he'll greatly appreciate it. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. No problem. All right. Hey, thanks for watching this video all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed the content, and if you're looking for more of us, uh, there should be some links in the description, or you can click my face. It should be somewhere around here. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you for watching the video. Hope you enjoyed it.